Hello and welcome to VergeCast. My name is Foster Toft and I am excited to be with you here today. And I just want to encourage you to let us know God's word so that we can respond with God's word. A lot's going on in our community and world right now. And we're a few weeks into this social distancing. And I don't know about you, but I'm going absolutely crazy like, I miss people, I miss being in large groups, I miss my Verge family, and I'm sure that all other youth groups are missing their families, and there's a lot of people who I miss going on right now, and being locked inside has been absolutely crazy, and I just am ready for this to be over. Now, I know that in this season of isolation. I knew a lot of introverted friends who were not really minding it too much, but I gotta say that even introverts are gonna go crazy with this. You might look at me and say, Foster, I'm fine. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm locked in my room. All I need is me. We're good. But I know plenty of introverts who are locked in a house full of extroverts. Like, I want to tell you that that's even worse for you now. Because normally those extroverts are able to go out of your house to go see people. But now you find yourself locked in a house full of extroverts. And who are they clinging to? You. You can't run. So they just want to be with you. So you have to completely reorient your life around these new people that you have to be stuck in a house with. And I, I feel for you. But, you know, I'm also excited that you get to hang out with people more and more and more. People are awesome. My fellow extroverts out there, they will appreciate it. Um, one thing that just came to my mind that I want to clarify that I messed up in my very first podcast, like completely failed at, but March 5th is when I said this roundtable for other youth groups is going to be. That's a completely wrong date. It is May 5th. On May 5th, myself and other youth pastors from our region, we're going to come together and we are going to talk about the concept of teen suicide. Now the goal behind this is that youth leaders from all over our community can come together and discuss how can we encourage folks who are personally struggling with teen suicide, suicidal thoughts, how can we encourage someone who has a friend, family member who's struggling with suicide thoughts, and how can we encourage you to talk to them to breathe life into them. And thirdly, we want to talk to the person who's been affected by suicide. The person who's had someone in their life committed suicide and is gone. And how do you cope with it now? So join us, please, May 5th. And we're going to come together as a roundtable. We're just going to discuss this concept. And I pray that you are encouraged by that and that that will be a benefit to you. But going into today, COVID-19 is, is forcing, rather, many of us to completely reorient our lives. How many of us did things before is now completely turned upside down. The idea of reorienting our lives is found all throughout scripture. We see countless spots where life is oriented in a certain direction, then a tragedy comes and completely brings disorientation. In our disorientation, if you're like me, we long to go back to how things used to be. But that's not how God works. God works by taking our current orientation, the way we live, disorients it. He shakes it all up. 
not to bring us back to our original orientation, but to a completely new direction, a new reality. This is the gospel. Our lives are oriented towards Christ. After we were walking away that was completely oriented towards sin, we got completely disoriented due to sin, and we see ourselves and who we really are, so we reorient ourselves to Christ. We are given a new reality. Now today, we're looking at a piece of scripture that gives us a picture of a reality that isn't finished. This isn't Lamentations 2, though. This three-step process of who I am, my mess I'm in, and the new man isn't present in this chapter. If you're looking for a typical Disney movie where there's a plot that rises in tension and climaxes to joy, you're not going to find it in Lamentations 2. I don't know about you, but when I suffer, I'm not thinking too much about the end of the story because I'm not at the end of the story. I remember when I was a senior in high school, within a three-month span, I had two family members and a close friend of mine die each month. When that happened, I wasn't thinking, man, this is great. I was thinking this hurts. Lamentations gives us an emotional turmoil that happens in the seasons of when things aren't okay yet. Lamentations 2 reminds you that suffering isn't devoid of reality. Lamentations 2 shows us to suffer means you are in reality. Lamentations 2, put in scripture by God, tells us that God takes sin and suffering seriously. Lamentations 2 is heavy. Verse 1 gives us a disturbing scene. The Lord, in his anger, has overshadowed Zion. This isn't a good covering. God is against Zion. When Lamentations addresses Zion, he isn't talking about a city of brick and mortar. He's talking about a specific people. God is mad at people here. Lamentations gives us a look at not what the people did, but what God is doing to them. Within the first nine verses, the reader, you, are confronted with the series of action that the Lord has done. Go ahead, look at them for yourself in your Bible. Look down within the verses 1, 1, or chapter 2, verse 1 through 2, through 9, rather, he brought punishment. God did it. There's a list of things that God did to these people. Zion, God's people that they were, they thought that they were completely untouchable. They kept living in a certain way, thinking they could abuse the system, not follow God. God brought eternal correction, though. God's people were put down for their rebellion. Now, I don't know where you're at if you've read this whole chapter before or if you're just walking through it with me. But anyone with any sympathy whatsoever reading Lamentations 2 is disturbed by this image of a city that is destroyed by the hands of God. Is God a monster? How do we explain 
God's answer here? How do we explain his actions? First, we have to remember the uniqueness of the situation. The nation of Israel, Zion, was God's chosen people. They entered into a covenant relationship with God. They are his bride. Knowing his instructions, knowing what God called them to do, they lived completely opposite of that. For us, knowing that truth that they were his bride, knowing this instructs us not to attach the divine motives on national or natural disasters when they occur in our times or to other nations. We can't copy and paste what's happening with COVID-19 to Lamentations 2. To a degree, you and I do not have the authority to say Lamentations 2 is a direct thing what's happening now. We can't say that COVID-19 is punishment. I can't say that. No one can say that. So what does this teach you and me today? How does Lamentations 2 then affect us? Is God mad at us? Lamentations 2 teaches us two fundamental concepts, though. When life is tragic, how do you respond? Are we to think about the relationship? How are we to think about the relationship of evil and suffering here? The two concepts that whatever situation you enter, whatever type of suffering you enter, that Lamentations 2 wants you to focus on is this. How do you respond in your humility and your sobriety? How do you respond in your humility and in your sobriety? Regardless of how we suffer today, no matter what situation you find yourself in, you can respond in suffering with humility and sobriety. We come humbly because God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. When you go through suffering today, it's okay to cry because when we cry, when we sit in our pain, when we mourn, and say, why is this happening to me, God? Why is this injustice happening to me? Why is my family reacting this way? Why are my friends backstabbing me? Why has COVID-19 come? Why is this happening? We have to finish each and every one of those sentences with, I trust. Why is this happening? But I trust. We serve a God we can trust. Because if you are in Christ, you can know that he only brings correction to those whom he loves. Going to back to what I said about orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. We have to conclude that sometimes in our lives, in order for us to go down the path that's needed, we need a complete shakeup. We come with sobriety in our suffering. Like I said in the first episode, when we see our sin rightly, if you got correctly, you are in the sweet spot. Suffering allows us to examine ourselves in a new light. It could be from a hardship, bad decisions that you have done, injustices done against you, tragedies that have come upon you. Regardless, suffering brings the opportunity to view yourself 
in a new light and see your nature differently. What do I mean by that? Are you, are there things in your life that you need to repent of? Do you need to view yourself, do you view yourself incorrectly and operate in shame when you're free from that? Are you truly seeking Christ? And lastly, are you having an honest assessment of yourself? Lamentations 2 is all about the middle portion of suffering. Lamentations 2 speaks about the person who is still in the disorientation. It doesn't live in the past or look to the future. It speaks to the person who's sitting today in disorder. During COVID-19, most of you are here. School is canceled for the rest of the year. End of school dreams are finished. Loneliness is strong. Disorder at home is real for some. What are you going to do today? You are disordered. What's going to come out? How are you going to humble yourself and maybe for the first time in your life have a real assessment of yourself? Maybe today is the day you acknowledge some stuff and communicate it to others. Maybe today is the day for the first time that you're going to be free from old ways and go onto the path of righteousness. Maybe today is the day that you rest in joy and you are filled with humility in sobriety. Lamentations 2 brings great peace and comfort for the person who is in the disorder because it's reality. What you're feeling today is not uncommon, but common. And it is here that you can learn humility. And it is here where you, for the first time, can have a real view of yourself. I want to thank you for joining me this week as we discuss Lamentations Chapter 2. Next time, in our Q&A portion, we are going to unpack the term repentance. More specifically, the question that was given to us is, how do I know if someone is truly sorry? How do I know if I'm truly sorry? Does the Bible give us a framework to what a biblical apology is? Tune in next time. We're going to see what God's Word has to say about that. My name is Foster Toff, and this is Vergecast with feature music from Daniel Asher. See you next time.